the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, Never Going Bald, show 42. 5th of January 2012, coming to you from SW8, love, loss and lattes, lots of lattes, lots of storage heating too, which uh, heats up my flat when I'm not here and I can't do anything about it. Happy New Year, hope you all had a good one. What am I going to do about the 2012 thing? I think all of last year I would introduce the show saying 2011, London 2012's killed that, is anybody actually going to say 2012? I think I'm going to have to go with 2012. I think you're going to have to uh, allow me this inconsistency. New Year's Eve was uh, was low-key. Myself and the arse man, we uh, went over to a mate's uh, in uh, Streatham. It was a quiet New Year, but time of uh, reflection and uh, gearing up for the New Year. Past the uh, year-long mark now without alcohol. I, I did have uh, three bottles of uh, Beck's Blue alcohol-free on uh, New Year's Eve. I don't know why my friends think that's a girly name. Blue is a very masculine colour, but uh, Bex Blue, could that name be improved on? One thing that hasn't been uh, improved on and uh, is the leg. The uh, I had two weeks on uh, diazepam for this uh, trap nerve. Uh, legs not improved. Diazepam left me sluggish in the mornings. Uh, now I'm thinking, why didn't this uh, female doctor? look at my leg. If I'd been a doctor, I'm probably the type of uh, uh, guy who, uh, if I'd seen a female patient and, uh, you know, she was a bit of a sort, let's say, I probably would have taken the opportunity to look at the leg. She obviously, she wasn't too concerned. So I've spent uh, two weeks on this medication. It's done absolutely nothing for me. Uh, I can still feel that nerve trap there. Very cramped setup I got here at home uh, when I'm recording. Don't know what happened to the voice there. Went a bit high. Um, and I'm not sure that's helping with the leg. Probably haven't rested it as uh, much as I ought to. Here's the thing that impressed me today. Local bald guy hairdresser. I think he owns three barber shops on this road. Uh, he's opened a new one recently. Over the years, what he's done is uh, he's worked the receded front of his hair into a bouffant. Uh, he's got a mullet going on. It's offset with a beard. It works well, I have to say. It's that bouffant look pioneered by uh, Bill Beaumont on Question of Sport in the late 80s. Where he was thinning on top, but he fooled us because he just kept growing the top and fluffing it up. Probably if you were having a conversation uh, with him in a bar and you, you got a close look at his head, you could probably see into his scalp. But uh, from a distance, it works. If you think of Phil Collins circa Live Aid, this is what this uh, hairdresser's kind of got going on. Perhaps more convincing than Phil Collins. I used to ask my mum around the mid-80s, is Phil Collins bald? I actually really liked his hair. I saw Live Aid again recently, a clip with Phil Collins, uh, who was arguably at his peak around then, 85 to 88. He had a widow's peak, but it was very rounded, probably the most rounded widow's peak I've ever seen. But when I first became aware of him, I was a bit too young to remember uh, sort of genesis of the late uh, of the 70s period. And I saw him as a solo artist singing Easy Lover. And he effectively looked bald, but then he grew a mullet. And it just confused me. He used to say to my mum, is Phil Collins bald? And uh, she would just say, who's Phil Collins? Anyway, it was windy. It is windy today. I'm sure it is windy where you are. 
this hairdresser didn't wear a hat, and I admired him for that, because his scalp was being exposed, but he didn't care. He, not only has he convinced himself he has hair, but he's convinced me he has hair. Well, he's come as close as convincing me as he can possibly come. I mean, I almost believed him today. I almost believed that he had hair. Ways to get in touch, Twitter at 1607westegg. Email the show, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. There's another thing I have to... Uh, by this month, I have to renew that domain name. Facebook, join the group, the Daniel Ruiz Tyson uh, podcast request to join. I'll add you in. I'm not really sure what the point of that is. No one's posting anything on there, so I've really got no idea why I uh, bother mentioning that every week. You do have the blog too, you can uh, post comments on that 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Been an okay week, uh, struggling a little with the focus as usual. I think that's a, that's an ongoing battle. Um, it, it, it's just that whole, you know, divvying up your day properly, making sure that you're doing what you need to be doing when you need to be doing it. A uh, bit of beef on Twitter with Roland Rat, my 80s hero, after I posted a, a tweet about how the move to the Beeb killed off his career. Somehow he saw it. I don't know how he saw it. Um, we don't follow one another. He hardly follows anyone. He follows 10 people on Twitter. He gave me a very public dressing down, hitting me with some uh, ratings figures, which I accept. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, where's he been the last 20 years? I I, I, I love Roland Rat. He really was my 80s hero, mid-80s hero. My mum had worked uh, double cleaning shifts to get me all the memorabilia. I had all the mugs. I'm left with one mug. I mean, his mug is so special to me that just before uh, Christmas, I last saw Mickey here, and he was uh, drinking from the Roland Rat mug, which didn't bother me, but it, it was uh, to see someone else drinking from it, it was like, wow, that is a Roland Rat mug. Usually I don't realize i'm drinking from it it is my favorite mug it's all chipped now it's taken loads of batterings been involved in lots of moves all the other mugs either got chucked out or broke or whatever i had guinness uh kevin the gerbil i don't think i had uh glennis roland's uh ex-girlfriend now he told me i asked him on twitter whether he was still knocking around with glennis i had reggie um errol the hamster so yeah i love roland rat um I didn't need this uppercase in Twitter berating from him. I didn't probably need to have it retweeted by uh, the mischievous Mickey and Two Rivers Nine. Because as Two Rivers Nine pointed out, the rat must be carrying searches out on Twitter for his name. Because we're careful. We were careful in those tweets and he still kept coming back. It also disappoints me a little when I see people posting London and LA as their profile location. The States, as I've said before, I think I might have said it on a, the other show, is it's never appealed to me as a place. I've no curiosity really in America, which which is strange when you consider how much I love their television. And it's the same issue I have with Tears of Fear. Since their reunion, owing to Kurt Smith's move to the States in the early 90s, they've become a band far removed from their bath roots. Loads of American and South American gigs. They do gigs in Europe. They've done, I think, the, 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 the French or Belgian proms. But they just don't gig in their own country anymore. I mean, I heard that a rumour that they might be gigging here this year. But why is that just a rumour? Shouldn't you be gigging in your own country first? That, that's really disappointing. That's like me taking this podcast to West London in future and getting all poncy. You know, just completely forgetting about my roots. Uh, what else has happened today? Someone saw me. Someone saw me in the cafe today dispensing my own sweetener into my latte. I lost my composure there and double dispense. Doesn't happen often. Shouldn't be uh, offended. Uh, sorry, I, I shouldn't be ashamed that I'm uh, 
I'm dispensing sweeteners into my uh, lattes. It's uh, you know, it's who I am. I'm, I've, I've got my sweeteners. I, I I take them with me. What's the difference between having my own sweeteners and using the cafe sweeteners? I, I don't see why that's something that turns heads in there. Um, I was at the dentist also uh, today. I'm still looking into this work that I need done after grinding the hell out of my teeth. There, uh, you know, they, I was there. I went back to the place. I'd had an original meeting uh, appointment uh, with back in uh, mid-December. They were asking me if I was currently taking any treatment. What's happened is uh, I'm trying to get the best deal. Uh, I've stacked up a lot of uh, appointments with various dentists. This lady today, she was asking me what other dentists I'd seen. I thought, well, I mean, I'm assuming she doesn't want me to be very specific. I just said London first. Then she said, well, whereabouts? I said Southwest London. Um, who with? Like, well, I mean, you're giving me 10 minutes free time. You're telling me I've got 10 minutes with you. Are we just going to spend so much of the time talking about which dentists I've been seeing? I withheld that information. It wasn't the 80s anymore where, you know, when people used to ask me where I lived, I'd give them the exact address until a friend pointed out you weren't meant to do that. Before Christmas, I'd stacked up a lot of these appointments, as I've said, and I thought, yeah, that's a positive thing to do. I need to get this uh, addressed. Uh, so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go into the new year. Lots of stuff to do. Busy. That's good. Now it's January. Uh, what did I, How did I say January there? I know how to say January. Don't pull me up on, on that mispronunciation there. I don't know what happened. So it's January now. Suddenly I'm finding I'm at the dentist a few days a week right now trying to find a good price for this treatment. They ask about my asthma. I specify it's mild asthma that I've had since I was a child, because that's what it is. I don't take my inhalers, not because uh, doctors have told me not to take them, but simply because uh, my ex told me asthmatics don't die from asthma attacks if they use inha uh, inhalers. They actually die from heart disease caused by the steroids from inhalers. A fact I thoroughly checked online and is confirmed by what I found, so ever since then I stopped taking the inhalers. The dentist asked if I could take aspirin. I said as a mild asthmatic against stress and the mild, I was told to avoid aspirin. They said, what happens if you take aspirin? And I'm thinking, aren't we here for my teeth? This is a dental appointment, isn't it? All this asthma talk, it was just making me feel weak. Like here were two women, the dentist and, and, and her hygienist. They're just homing in on the asthma as if they were set, that, set on a, establishing that as a man... You know, as a man, I would be of no use to them were an intruder to break into the house. Anyway, uh, they gave me this scandalous price plan. I don't know whether they're aware that there is a recession on. Again, my limited facial expressions meant that it was very hard for them to detect from my expressions alone whether I'd be going for the treatment. I switched off soon as I heard her say 4.1. I'm assuming that she meant, you know, over £4,000. I'm also assuming that she'd probably have uh, looked at the hair and perhaps the jeans for her clues as to what state I was in and whether I was just uh, wasting her time. So anyway, then I was coming back from the dentist. I'm on the bus from Victoria. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've gone on the upper deck. Um, I'm coming back down. I've, I've pressed the bell. Uh, descending the stairs. Trying not to touch the banisters on the bus. I don't like banisters. Uh, there was this incident in the late 80s. Uh, on a banister where someone had basically uh, evacuated the entire contents of their nostrils on a banister at school and I used to have the habit of racing down the stairs and uh, I think it was my left hand scooped the entire contents of uh, the mystery uh, pupil's nose and uh, whatever I've done since with a hand in the last 23 years whatever I've done whether it's been holding a, a tall glass of coffee whether I've been 
been pretending on stage to be left-handed and holding my mic with it, whether I've been caressing a woman's body with that left hand, I always remember what I had to clean up from this hand one day 23 years ago. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how it felt. Anyway, I get down to the lower deck. I notice there's a woman loaded with Primark uh, bags. We got off the bus. And, uh, you know, even with my muscle pull, I overtook her on the, on the road with my long legs. I turned right into my road. Now, the first development, uh, first building, as you turn right into my road, is this solitary building, a uh, very big driveway, classy-looking house, never quite... I mean, you could easily mistake it for a kind of office, but I do believe it's a house from what I've seen and the type of people, the type of hours they're coming in and out of there. All of a sudden, the woman I'd overtaken, she emerges from that driveway 15 metres ahead of me. I'm totally bemused by this. I've been living here eight months now, and I never knew there was a shortcut. And I was looking to see where this shortcut was, and I'm thinking, whatever it is, whatever kind of shortcut it is, I'm not sure it's a shortcut that you would take in the dark. But just before recording tonight's show, I collected my meal, as I do every Thursday from my aunts, um... And on my way back, I checked out the shortcut, and I know where it is now. But basically, you have to go through someone's gate to cut across this driveway. It does mean that what you do when you come into my road, uh, well, what what you are doing, you're actually skipping the narrow curb that I have to deal with. This is a very awkward road I live on. On the left-hand side, you've got the wider curb. I'm on a very narrow side by the parade of shops. The curb's very narrow. You're constantly having to uh, make facial gestures with someone who's coming towards you as to who's going to pass first. Obviously, again, with my limited uh, range of facial expressions, that's no easy thing. I'm thinking, do I start taking this shortcut? Do I want to start part, you know, going through someone else's gate? I wouldn't be happy if that was my gate if I was living there. It's not a public uh, path, really. I'm going to look into it, though. I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to discount it entirely right now. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to have a think about it. That's what I'll do. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, a show maybe not geared towards being successful, more bandwidth issues this week. As I said, uh, every show now over the last few weeks is averaging 16,000 listeners. Um, that's no word of a lie, 16,000 listeners. So uh, when you're tweeting in or when you're when you're emailing, think about that. Uh the bandwidth uh, issues are just a, a constant uh, constant headache. Uh, bizarrely, still not enough downloads to get back into iTunes. Uh, first three months show far smaller in the iTunes charts for 100 days. You work it out. I don't know what's going on there. What's happening at the moment is usually with a show, people know it comes out on a Thursday. First two or three days, download figures are very high. Gradually now, that's creeping up to the point where on the sixth day, the downloads are just as high. Yesterday was astronomical. Bandwidth got absolutely uh, caned. At one point, I was out of bandwidth. I was just going to ha- uh, be able to put the show out on WordPress until Sunday when uh, my new uh, monthly bandwidth allowance kicked in. Then I'd have put the show out on uh, iTunes and Jellycast. Cut a deal with the Jellycaster people who kindly uh, reset the bandwidth. So, uh, obviously, you'll be listening to the show on iTunes and Jellycast. Please do give Stitcher Radio a try, because that doesn't come out of the show bandwidth. Uh, Given the lack of new reviews on iTunes, it may be that I need to pull the show off there, resubmit the feed, start all over again, which could lead to a period of confusion. Uh, But that's the situation right now. Uh, 
I need to get back into those charts. And if I'm going to go for sponsorship, as I said a few weeks ago, I'm not sure how realistic that is. I don't know. It's very hard to uh, be creative and have a business mind. I, I'm creative. I'm not sure I've got the business mind. In the meantime, if you could maybe uh, download one of every four shows from Stitcher, that would be uh, that would be uh, great. That would really help with my uh, bandwidth uh, concerns. Trying also at my end to keep the show shorter. Failed last week. I failed, I think, because I'm enjoying talking to you. And I think it may be that I'm going to fail tonight as well. Uh, time now for a quick things my dad told me that was simply untrue. Uh, never move next door to old people. They'll keep having falls. Their other half will be bothering you a lot. You've got to call the ambulances when the, when the other half is having a fall. Uh, we don't have a phone. We'd have to run out to a phone box. It could be two in the morning. What's going to happen when we're out there? Yeah, we've got our torches, but there are bad people out there. Anything could happen to us. Uh, plus, there's also the... Uh, uh, the smell issues, they may smell. We don't have the finances to buy air fresheners if we're going to have a problem in the communal hallway uh, that we will be sharing with them. I have to say, I've never lived next door to old people. I can't uh, completely uh, dismiss uh, my dad's thoughts on this, but I do have friends who live next to old people. They assure me that's not always uh, the case. Uh, now time for a song overkill. Getting into that earlier this week, you know how it works. I want to know which song you've overplayed this week and why. Now, I think my uh, submission this week is going to be uh, ridiculed, and I'm fine with that because it is. It is. Uh, I can understand why it would be ridiculed. Um, how this works, anyway? Uh, I want to know which song you've overplayed each week and why. Um, the choice that I'm going for this week wasn't my original choice. I heard it at the dentist today. Uh, it was a. It was in the Christmas charts around '87. Uh, I think around. The time that uh, Fairy Tale of New York came through, and I think Fairy Tale of New York was number one that year. Great, great song. This song isn't in that league. Got completely overshadowed, um, and it's wet, wet, wet. Angel Eyes. Now, uh, what I will say, I will defend it. It's a good song. It's not a great song, but it's a good song. Even then, at fifteen, I remember two things about this song. It coincided with the last time I took communion, and secondly, I remember thinking, "Wow, Marty Pello can sing." Because it wasn't really that apparent in Wishing I Was Lucky. It wasn't that, you know, that was their debut song, I think, in the summer of 87. It wasn't that they, that I thought he couldn't sing. It was just, it was a pop song. It was an annoying pop song. I, I, I didn't like the song. I still don't like the song. The difference between that first song and Angel Eyes, just six months apart, was a bit like me listening to me in the first ever Please Don't Hug Me and then listening to me now in this show, show 42 over 100 podcasts later if it wasn't for the nasal south london accent the poor quality headset you wouldn't know it was me would you that's that's how i feel about marty pello in this song i don't think he got his dues uh that awful 94 four wedding song which they uh, had the decency to pull out of the charts themselves after it was number one for 16 weeks i can't remember what that song was called uh, but apparently the heroin addiction which he uh, famously developed in the mid 90s was tied into him feeling that he never got his dues as a great singer um so i'm putting this song i'm sticking this song in just for the vocals i think the vocals are absolutely brilliant bear in mind he's about 20 21 years old at this time so uh, uh yeah I'm, I'm 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 wet 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 angel eyes uh I'm, I'm sticking with that song wet 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 have to say one of the worst uh band names ever but that's my song this week um Crimson Avenger, uh, Colin this week, uh, 
Police Bastard by Doom, just as I am in that sort of mood. Um, I don't know this song. I've never heard it. Never heard of it. I'll have to check that out on YouTube. Uh, never heard of Doom. Is that one of the kind of uh, metal bands or whatever it is that uh, the Avenger and uh, Two Rivers Nine are into? I suspect it might be. Now, uh, uh, the lovely uh, William Stafford, uh, copyright Mickey Boyd. Hello, Daniel, hoping you are well. My song Overkill this week has been Vibrate by Rufus Wainwright. I tell you what, I do fancy his sister. She's got some legs on her. Uh, this is a song about failure, failure to communicate, failure to keep up with the times, failure to cope with life. The singer yearns to hear from that special someone who never calls. My phone's on vibrate for you, but still I never, ever feel from you. It is wistful and plaintive. And here's a fun fact, says William. The jaunty bass line is taken directly from Ravel's Bolero, that tune to which skaters Torville and Dean will want to fling themselves around ice rinks. Really? I had no idea. I'm trying to remember the bass line from that song. That was a... I, I did like Bolero. I've seen Mr. Wainwright perform live a number of times and this song is always a highlight. Will he be able to sustain that very long note towards the end and still have enough uh, breath for the higher note that c comes immediately after it? It's like watching someone running up to take a pole vault. More often than not, he succeeds, but the charm with which he rolls his eyes and swears when he can't manage it is somehow better. Um, let me see. Is this the guy? This is... Uh, I Didn't he do the Judy Garland show as well um, a couple of years ago? He did, a, he did an entire night of Judy Garland songs. I think. Uh, William concludes this week, I've been playing the song a few times because I've been feeling my age, feeling out of touch and hoping to hear from a certain someone. Well, I can't do anything about my age, so may as well embrace it. I console myself with the notion that most things these days aren't worth keeping up to date with. And well, when that certain someone did not uh, did get in touch, I was walking on air. My mantra for 2012 is, life's not all bad. Best wishes, the lovely William Stafford. Well, uh, William, I'm grateful that even though that uh, special someone did get in touch, that you still found time to get in touch with the show. Always enjoy your contributions. Uh, Pete, Pete Domican, in light of the death of Barry Clayton last week, there can only be one song overkill this week, The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Barry Clayton was the man behind the spoken word introduction to Iron Maiden's breakthrough album, which featured the title track and Run to the Hills, which reached number seven in the charts for one week let's put on that denim and leather and celebrate the awesome awesome spirit of metal happy 2012 uh, that was my lisp my new lisp there rearing its ugly head on uh, awesome uh keep your song overkills coming in uh twitter uh, hashtag song overkill at 1607 west egg or email show drt at west egg 1607.co.uk um stick in song overkill in the subject header you're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Uh, well, not so much a cold uh, night, uh, but certainly a windy night in SW8. The blinds here are moving. They're moving, people. They are actually moving. Uh, always get a bit um, worried sometimes about the time on a Thursday night. It's just gone seven. If, if I get this uploaded onto uh, uh, Jellycast by nine, I'll have done well. It just the whole process takes so damn long. This 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 part of it talking to you, this is enjoyable. The rest of it afterwards, I don't enjoy that. Here's something. Just once, I'd like to hear my doctor say, uh, um, you know, maybe the next time he's got me in there with my top off and he's checking on my breathing. Um, I'd like him to say, you know what, you've got a better body than you had 10 years ago. Would it kill him to say that? I think it'd be okay for him to say that. I think uh, as a doctor, it would be permissible for him to maybe comment on the way your body has changed. If you were fat, or if you'd got fatter, 
He'd probably comment on that, tell you to watch your weight a bit. Why can't he say to me, you're looking a bit more muscular these days. What's going on? And you know that if you lost someone, uh, if you've lost a parent, you may be running to people at some point, people that knew them, friends of theirs, uh, who, who would have different recollections of your parents and you would ask them something or they give you some story about your mum or dad uh, that maybe shines a light on a on a nice side that you didn't know to them. Uh, uh, not like, oh yeah, he banged a few women, not that kind of side, just, just something that shows them in a favourable light, a little thing that maybe uh, you thought, oh that's nice, I didn't... I didn't know that he did that. I didn't know she did that. Something like that. I, well, what I would like, what I would like is, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to say to my doc, what can you tell me about my dad's body? What have you got for me? How did we match up? You knew him. You you probably checked his breathing a few times. I mean, all I've got are my, my fading memories of my dad now uh, and the self-portraits we found of his torso when we cleared out his flat after he passed away. That's, that's all I got. I want a bit more. Come on, doc. Tail of the tape. How do we match up? Hmm? How's my body now at 39 compared to his body at 39 because I do actually remember my dad always telling me that his peak year that he he was at the peak of his powers in the summer of 81 when he was 38 that was the summer that Cohen Ovet kept swapping uh, records I think in the space of a couple of weeks either the 800 or the 1500 meter records was smashed two or three times or the mile records that's when uh, you know the Britain ruled athletics and uh, you know Ovette and Kobe going at it all all over Europe, and meantime my dad would be like breaking personal bests on Clapham Common, summer of '81. So I've been attacking my New Year plan with gusto. Uh, writing this morning, uh, did well. Prior to this week, uh, again, as I said, not not focused. That old cliched conflict I think that all writers have. What are you, a writer or a nearly 40-year-old man trying to get an admin role? It does affect you. But I'm, I'm pushing on. I had my best morning's writing this week. Heartened by it. Really having to get... You know, grip my teeth really with the book editing. Knocking it into shape. Um, got up early. Went to bed early last night. Got into bed by midnight. Been about a month since I'd done that. Obviously I, I was still awake at one. But I was just really trying to switch off. I, I, I really don't enjoy sleeping it. For me it's almost a waste. You know, you only live once. It's just a waste. Sleeping is a waste. If you could retain your looks and your energy without sleeping, I'd be well up for that. Turned down a couple of stand-up gigs as well this week. I am getting the urge again, but uh, I know that I need to focus on what I'm trying to do. And to be honest, right now, I can't find a better reason to do a gig than the hair. Now, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I have this thing about returning somewhere after a long period away with either longer hair or shorter hair, but the idea being that you look different and it gets people wondering, where have you been? Where's this guy been? What's going on in his life? He looks different. And uh, last year, the year before that, 2010, and it's so good now to be able to say, uh, yeah, the year before last, that was a crap year. It's, it's, it's good to have that space now. So 2010, I returned to a job... Um, six weeks after they'd let me go but I returned with the same hair you know I, I, I'd, I'd left with long hair I returned with long hair I, I did not have the funds to cut it during that period and I was disappointed because that was the ideal moment for me to return looking different and it was an opportunity denied to me now I'm realizing that the five months on from my last stand-up gig when I return to comedy I will look different I like that I like that. People say, haven't we seen that guy before? Didn't he? he had short hair back in the summer? 
I'm doing three hours right in a day at the moment. I recognise that that is not enough. That needs to double up to give me any chance. Back in my heyday, I used to do six to eight hours. I think you can drop to four hours a day if what you're writing is real quality, but uh, what I'm doing at the moment is not enough. Um, I'm just trying to stay relaxed. Try not to panic. I, th I think I'm getting better at doing that. This morning, um, as an example, I'm in the bath. I'm about to rise from the water. Not because I'm done with the bath, but because, you know, I've, I've, I've done the upper half and I'm now looking to do the lower half. And I'm, 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 I'm rising out of the water like some huge creature out of Greek mythology with water just dripping from me. And I'm doing this because I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to sponge down the lower half. Then I thought, no, this isn't a shower. There is a way of doing this more comfortably. I can do this lying in the bath. And I just, that's what I did. I just continue lying in the bath, wash my lower half, sponge myself down. That is new. That ability to to be a bit more relaxed about things, that's new. A year ago, I would have stood up. I would have stood up, washed the lower half. Now, uh, I'm tomorrow night, I, I start volunteering somewhere. I can't be too specific. Um, it's a place that puts on plays. I think that'll... It's about as specific as I can get. Start tomorrow evening. That's kind of going to eat, well it is, it's going to eat up into a lot of my time, a lot of the uh, work on the book. It's certainly again reduces my options about going into stand-up, back into stand-up. Place has lots of doors, lots of staircases. Uh, I've got a real weakness when it comes to, well I've, basically I've got no sense of direction. I could give you so many instances where this has occurred. Uh, summer of 91, the worst job I had, security guard working in the Docklands. Uh, I was told uh, to, to do an hour on the underground car park there on the Cabot Square. The whole Docklands uh, uh, development had just been built. Cabot Square was open that summer. I think it was still closed at this time to the public. And I'm walking around this, this car park and I can't find the guy I'm supposed to be relieving. And I'm walking around, I'm walking around, I'm walking around for half an hour until I realise I'm seeing the same things. Until I realise... Um, that it's a roundabout. The car park is a roundabout and all I've been doing is going round and round and round and these security guards that I kept passing were just pissing themselves laughing. Uh, I lost an ex-girlfriend in a Spanish hospital. She fell ill. Um, I left her in there just to get some refreshments before I knew, uh, before I knew it. I was on the motorway. I, I don't know how that happened. I had such a difficult time getting back into that hospital. When I used to spend a lot of time in Spain... Uh, the nearly in-laws uh, would give me directions on how to get back to their house. I'd always, always struggle. It, it just, it, it became, a, it became a running joke. I'm just not very good at spotting landmarks. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering at this place. Uh, Sod's Law. They're putting on a youth event next week. Now, given the borough that I live in, that concerns me. Um. You know, I'm thinking gang colours, knives. I wish I'd signed up to this a week later. I saw uh, the poster for this event next week. I mean, this has got trouble written all over it. Uh, you know, and I'm going to be checking ticket stubs at the door. A white guy with long hair. Kids aren't going to know what to make of my current hairstyle. It's a hairstyle that probably isn't suited to youth events. Neither are the clothes. This hair to them is probably what... Nigel Haver's hair or Steve Ryder's uh, hair must have looked like to my generation. Maybe Steve Ryder's not the best example. Nigel Haver's is, is a good example. Uh, uh, perhaps a bit later than Nigel Haver's, Richard Madeley, when he uh, broke through in the late 80s. This hair, the, the, this generation of teenagers, they're, they're not going to know what to make of my hair. 
they're going to be like, what the hell is that? What is that? It's just not the kind of hairstyle they're used to seeing. They'll wonder where I'm from. Given the nature of, you know, of the place, they may think I'm an actor. Um, I'm going to be asking to check their tickets at the door, probably adding a please as I catch sight of their knife in the inside pocket of a 200-pound jacket. They're going to look at me. They're, they're, they're going to look at my weird, badly dated clothes. They might think, is he in costume? Is, is he in costume? Uh, I mean, I wish I'd joined up when they were putting on Gatsby. Uh, which I think they're doing in a few weeks. That'd be a different crowd turning up that night. But what I'm going to be getting next week is the Sunsplash crowd. Um, maybe some kid at this gig next week is going to see me. He's going to say, maybe maybe he's from Gat- uh, Gatsby. Maybe he's one of the actors from Gatsby. Uh, it'd be one kid. The kid that's afraid to show his fellow gangbangers he's actually well-read. And uh, maybe some other kid will be in that group saying, nah, I've seen the Robert Redford Gatsby wears white trousers. This ain't Gatsby. Not unless this is the Peacock or Primark version. You know, the other kid, the other kid, the clever kid, he might say, well, maybe it's Lenny from Mice and Men. They dressed in rags in that book. That book was written in the Depression. Maybe that's what they'll think. Maybe they'll think I'm an actor and that me collecting ticket stubs is uh, some sort of interactive approach that this place is applying uh, a new way uh, for a performer to engage with the audience. Like, um, you know when you see those stupid TV idents for, for soaps where some soap character whose character arc has changed dramatically over 25 years from week to week, looks all serious at the camera, talks in a pretentious voice, killing any lingering belief you had in her character, their character. Uh, yeah, I've been in the square for 25 years, I've married five people. All five people lived in the square. I got assaulted twice. I married one of the assailants. I was taken hostage once. Also in the square. Uh, I'm best friends again with the woman whose husband I had an affair with last week. Maybe they're going to think it's that kind of thing. What I'm thinking is I need to find a way of getting out of this particular event. I can do all the other events afterwards. Uh, This event... I saw that poster and I thought, man, I've timed this all wrong. This, This isn't good. Uh, the good thing is you can stay afterwards, you can watch the shows, which I'll certainly do for particular events. Not musicals, uh, no way. I mean, this this setup they got, you're working, I think, two hours for an evening. Be two, I'll be doing two or three evenings a week. But I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I'd rather work four hours for free rather than the two if it means I don't have to stay for the musicals. Uh, I don't like musicals, I find them disturbing. I lasted eight minutes the other night watching BBC Four's The Story of Musicals. Now, BBC Four, for me, it's the only BBC TV station, well, along with BBC News, I guess, which for me is worth a licence fee. Uh, I admire their output, so I've got no problem with them showing uh, documentaries on, uh, on on musicals. It's just I personally couldn't do it. I, uh, I've made an effort with a lot of their output uh, over the last year. I don't drive. I, I, I stuck out the history of motorways, and, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but the, uh, the the story of uh, musicals, the musical, was just uh, one step too far for me. That's aisle 27. That's where I get my uh, bread. Best of both, medium slice at my uh, local supermarket very peaceful aisle I'm gonna play a bit of that every week that's where I go sometimes to collect my thoughts did you did you, did you hear how quiet that was I mean you could meditate there 
sometimes I just pick up a pick up some bread and I just weigh it up in my hands and just feel the touch of that packet of bread put it back on the shelf because I always know what I'm going to get I'm a creature of habit I'm not going to you know veer away from the best of both but you know I'm just ta uh, touching you know touching some of the different breads that are that are available I think maybe when we play that every week there should be a message a positive message maybe one of you listeners can uh, submit a positive message that I can play over that uh, aisle 27 meditation have a think about that twitter at 1607westegg hashtag aisle27 uh, email drt at westegg1607.co.uk uh, aisle27 in the subject header uh, time for a nectar points update uh, actually before I uh, start that uh, let me just say I'm disappointed to see the uh, muscle soak range at uh, Sainsbury's go up 27p to £1.27 they're like dealers supermarkets they get, uh, you know they get you hooked they get you hooked and then they push up the prices I've had to as a result of this switch to uh, Joe Jarba uh, bath cream what I've been saying all year yeah all these price rises and price drops they make it very difficult for you to commit to a consistent scent you're better off bulk buying when you see a good deal and that way you've got that same scent all year round there's there's probably married people who scent changes owing to money constraints their partners are growing suspicious as to their motives for changing their smells but really behind a lot of this is the recession the recession is dictating so many changes in all of us uh, but my uh, nectar points update um, what have I got? Open opening balance uh, 437, closing balance uh, 451. Uh, 49 points away from being able to cash in my 500 points. Very pleased with that. Look forward to getting the observer. The problem I have is that the uh, my local Sainsbury's doesn't open until midday on a on a Sunday. I want to be reading the paper in the morning. You know, I want to be in the cafe reading the paper in the morning. Also being offered a promising deal. I don't, you, you know, I, I've always always think that when they offer you deals, uh, you know, they give you these uh, vouchers. I think, well, you know, how much more money are they going to get out of you? Really, are you gaining any anything? And uh, but I've, I've been given what is a promising deal on vitamins. You spend, I think, two pounds or two pounds fifty on vitamins. I, I've recently been getting the basics range of vitamins. Hundred nectar points is not to be sniffed at. I'm tempted to go uh, and get the proper vitamins to cash in on these uh you know get these hundred points um i'm tempted that's the first time i don't think i will because uh i, I don't like the idea behind it i don't like the uh the, the way they manipulate customers but uh I, i'm coming close if there's an offer i'm going to take up it's this one uh time now for a new feature i'm calling this feature sherlock <laughs> um after the bbc one show a, a show much loved much lauded much hyped I'm assuming it's been garlanded with awards. Uh, Sherlock. Now I'm a I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan. I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan, but I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan. Uh, the books kept me going in the hotel in the in the summer to winter of 2010. I'm not uh, an obsessive Holmes fan. I admire the, the the sheer quality of the character. I grew up with the films, the the, the Basil Rathbone films, the Jeremy Brett series. Uh, old Clapham actor, very, very intense guy, very difficult actor, but he's Sherlock Holmes, in my opinion, is the uh, definitive portrayal of of the character. 
Uh, I downloaded some old podcasts as well. I think for the 20s and 30s uh, radio dramas, uh, they've got a few Sherlock Holmes ones there. So I'm, I'm keen. When I heard that <clears throat> originally that they were updating the character, lifting him from one period to another, you know, I was a bit worried about that. I, I even had trouble, uh, as I said on Twitter this week, with uh, the Rathbone films where Holmes tackled Nazis. I, I enjoyed them, but I, I, it was a big thing for me getting past that point. Uh, and for me, Sherlock. <clears throat> let me just clear my throat there. Uh, this is, and this is only my opinion. Okay, I'm the one with a cheap quality headset, but your opinions are all welcome. They won't be edited out. And uh, the lovely William Stafford challenged most of my views on Twitter and challenged them well this week. He made lots of good points, got me thinking on a few things. Um, but just Sherlock for me, uh, I think my issues start with the lead actor, Cumberhatch, Cumberbatch, whatever his uh, name is. Um, he's uh, given me problems with a number of shows I've seen him in. Uh, Stuart, A Life Backwards. Um, I, I just didn't like his performance in that. Uh, ever since he broke through a few years ago, I have struggled with him. Uh, I'm not particularly keen on the writing team behind Sherlock. I think it's a it's a lazy show. I think it's gimmicky. I don't buy the graphics. I don't need things constantly happening on screen to hold my attention. If the story's good, that's enough for me. If the writing's good, that's enough for me. I'm not dumb. Uh, you know, I don't watch CSI for those reasons. I don't want things happening on screen. Lots of little gimmicks and that. That's that's for the MTV generation. They're the ones who can't focus on anything. I, you know. Years ago, I realised this was a problem, that I was in danger of dumbing down because of TV, because I, I, I was given a, a copy of the Bla uh, Boys from the Black Stuff uh, by Martin, uh, which subsequently went missing for seven years. The suspicion was that it had gone missing as a result of uh, me not returning it. Uh, he finally uh, found it a few months back, but the problem I had with Boys from the Black Stuff initially was it was so slow-paced because of that's you were able to have a stately pace, much like The Wire. You know, there was less pressure to give viewers the modern day viewer what they wanted. It's like, we are going to tell you a story. We are going to tell it properly. There are no gimmicks here. There are no uh, graphics on screen. It's not the chart show. This is this is a story we're telling. And, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. I, I, I don't like that. Also, this show didn't need to be about Sherlock Holmes. Uh, they should have come up with another derivative detective. I think that would have been more honest. But as uh, Pete Domican tweeted in response to this point I made, uh, by calling it Sherlock, it probably added another 3 million, uh, 3 million viewers. It's not original. Obviously, there's plenty of original drama out there that is, isn't good either. There are some good shows. I think the BBC have done some great shows uh, historically. I think in recent years, they've liked the bottle. To, to, to see through some of the better shows and protect them when they've come in for stick. I think Bodies was treated shabbily. It was, for me, the best hospital drama I have ever seen. Better than any American shows. And, you know, I'm a big St. Elsewhere fan, less keen on ER, but St. Elsewhere for me in the 80s, brilliant show. Uh, when the box sets uh, came out, downloaded them. Shouldn't have said that. Uh, bought them. I bought them. Uh, so, you know, Bodies, much better much better show a much better level of drama in my opinion than than, than Sherlock um, and I just thought it was a bit of a cheek of the BBC to include Sherlock uh, after the ident proclaiming original BBC drama it's not original and it's trying so hard to be a cool show when it, it just feels to me 
like Spooks in its final years. Tired, lazy, devoid of its better characters who, who by then had usually been killed off. I've, I've seen the Downey Jr. film, the first one, and I was actually very impressed. It's, it's not up there with Rathbone and Brett, but they are uh, Downey Jr. and Jude Law, in my opinion, surprisingly good. And I was just, uh, I think, initially relieved that it being a Hollywood film, they didn't have uh, Sherlock Holmes flying. But uh, I was surprised at how good it was. But uh, I've watched every episode of Sherlock. I, it's been a long time since I've hated a show this much. Uh, you know, I have issues with uh, Doctor Who. Uh, talk to shows like that which are almost passed off as adult drama these days but they're not they are essentially children's shows but i i it's i have the contempt i have for those shows is is no way approaches the contempt i have for sherlock so uh given my dislike of this show i thought i'd name this new occasional feature sherlock and what i want to hear from you is which massively popular program you think is overrated. Now, months ago, Callum VS, uh, lovely 40-year-old Callum, tweeted uh, an idea for shows past their best. Uh, a great idea, which at some point I would like to cover, but I'd like to make clear that submissions for this are based on not shows that we feel are past their best. We're talking about shows which are perceived to be at the height of their powers right now. That's what I want to hear about. Those are the kind of shows I, I, I want to hear about. Uh, Terry1400 um, tweeted in simply the news. Uh, not sure about that. Um, I like this one. Drew Drew 68. Mrs. Brown's Boys. Very popular. New series commission. Not funny in the slightest. I think this is another BBC show. Is it? It's an Irish show or a Scottish show. I totally agree. I've seen a couple. Absolutely appalling. Man playing woman. Surely that disappeared with Les Dawson. I can't believe how bad that show is. Like, it's... I thought it would disappear, to be honest, after one series from our screens. I am surprised that it came back for a, for a second series. Um, I think Drew adds as well, anything, and I mean anything, with Michael McIntyre in it. Um, I think Michael McIntyre, uh, I don't like him myself. I think he may be the Bob Monkhouse of our time in that his uh, personality does irritate. It irritates people. Uh, he's also got a shit hairstyle, and I don't understand how rich people... Uh, can have bad hair. I mean, how difficult is it to get yourself a good hairstyle, particularly when you have money and you have people running around after you who, in the various TV wardrobe departments or hair and makeup, whatever it is, sends Michael McIntyre out on stage with that hair. It is crap hair. But interestingly, about three years ago, I saw Michael McIntyre come on my screen, uh, appear on my screen, I should say, for those of you with uh, big on double entendres, and I thought, I'm not listening to this guy. I can't handle him. I just put it on uh, subtitles. And I was reading the subtitles, and I actually realized this is very well written. I don't like this guy, but the material is very well written. And to be fair to him, he takes the flack and he says, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about things that I don't understand. I'm middle class. I'm going to talk about my friends coming around for dinner, coming around to eat pasta. So he's very honest about that. So I probably don't have as much of a problem with him as other people do. I'm not a fan but I, I, I do think whoever's writing this stuff, whether it's him or other people, I, I, it, it is sharp. It is good. It's just his demeanour I can't stand. Uh, Pete uh, tweeted in, Antiques Roadshow, the Middle England smugness of Radio 4 transfer to television. Uh, Nick MB, QI, I just can't sit through it, and my ex made me try many times. It's boring at best and intolerably smug at worst. I agree. I, I, I don't like this show. Uh, not a massive Stephen Fry fan myself, but uh, it's one of those shows that, 
appears to be on every night on various channels and you think i'd love to get into this show because i'd be able to watch so many of them i'd be able to catch up on so many of them but i i i can't do it uh crimson avenger colin tweeted in morse john thor should have been pensioned off after playing regan reached his nadir on sweeney uh I liked Morse. Two-hour episodes at times were uh, heavy going. I liked the episode, the, the famous episode, the clubbing episode, where I think someone died from uh, from taking a knee. Had a girl in it at the time, very big actress, around 91, 92, Lisa something. Lisa Walker, I don't know if it was. She used to date Chesney Hawks. She was in uh, a teenage health freak. Now, that is one of the great shows of British TV. One of the most underrated shows. Peter Payne, I think, was the character. Did two series. Had a female character, uh, actress, beautiful. Samantha Edmonds, I think, in the second series. And uh, this kid, he was 15. He was actually a professional stand-up at the time as well in the early 90s. People go on about Adrian Mole, the original Adrian Mole series in the uh, mid-80s with Gian Samarco and Julie Walters and Lulu taking it in turns to play his mum. And that was a great show. That was great. But Teenage Health Freak was on a par with that early 90s 91 and 92 i think so uh, worth checking out worth trying to uh, see if you can s catch it on youtube middle-aged uh, cred the office i don't think ricky gervais is talented i don't find uh, squirming a social ineptitude entertaining i resisted the office when it first came out uh, simply because of a tenuous celebrity a bit more than a tenuous connection to the show um Two Rivers 9 with his uh, Willie Thorne connection. I knew someone uh, someone at the time in my life who was in the office. Um, didn't particularly like them, uh, so I didn't want to watch The Office. And I came to it, I think, late in that first series. I thought the mockumentary style was badly dated. Coogan was doing it as early as 93, 94 with Paul Carr. But to be fair, Gervais with The Office did it better, I think, than anyone else had up to that point. And it was a great show. And when the uh, Christmas specials came out, I think like a lot of people, I was thinking, oh, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Uh, and those Christmas specials were brilliant, uh, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I haven't liked any of uh, Ricky Gervais's work subsequently. I thought his, uh, the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that he was in was one of the worst. Um, I never liked extras. Uh, I caught uh, an episode of the uh, Dwarf show uh, life's too short, is it? Uh, and my cousins on Christmas Eve, I didn't like it. Uh, Billy, Two Rivers Nine, have I got news for you? Um, <clears throat> there is categorically nothing funny whatsoever about current affairs or politics, so why try and build a comedy-based panel show around it? From what I can see, the only purpose that the program serves is to provide a platform for jumped-up Oxbridge pricks to showcase how clever they think they are and boast about how much they think they know about world affairs. Merton, Deaton, Hislop, Anderson, Marcus, Bridgestock, the list of tossers associated with this show is endless. In order to do my bit for your bandwidth issues, I won't go on any further, but suffice to say that I really don't like it. Give me some proper comedy like 40 Towers any day, in brackets, he laughs. I, I have issues with 40 Towers. Uh, I don't like the Pythons, and that show was a racist show. If mind your language was racist, Faulty Towers was racist, but I'll save that for another day. Um, regards, as always, the broken genius and slightly jaded Fire Warden of the East Midlands, Billy Two Rivers Nine, will be getting some fire safety advice from uh, Two Rivers Nine later in the show. I agree with a lot of what uh, Two Rivers says here. Um, a, a great mate of mine said years ago that have I got news for you is the establishment laughing at themselves having said that I thought the early years 
90 to 93. Paul Merton left in 93 for a series or two. Um, I think he felt he was being taken for granted by the producers. And he came back. Eddie Izzard, I think, stood in for him as captain. Um, I thought at that point the show never recovered. The guest host idea. Terrible, terrible idea. Deaton, he probably had to go after what he did. But they should have got a permanent host in. The show over the last 10 years has become about who is the guest host. Guest hosts often getting it wrong, and we're supposed to still be finding that funny after 10 years. It basically killed the show. The uh, criticisms about the show being the establishment laughing at themselves, all valid, absolutely valid. I can't disagree with any of that. But uh, my point of view, uh, the first two, three years, brilliant show, the guest host thing. They need a permanent host. It's now an idea that's been uh, mimicked by other shows, such as Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Which for me is a... I've never liked that show anyway. But uh, I don't see why producers think this is a great idea. Save your shows. Get in permanent presenters. Get your Sherlock's in for next week's uh, show. Twitter. Hashtag Sherlock uh, at 1607WestEgg. Email the show. DRT at WestEgg1607.co.uk. Sherlock in the subject header. been a horrific week as far as uh, women wrecking the lose and the cafe goes now regular listeners readers of the blog you'll know where i sit in the cafe i, I sit at the table right over by the lose and uh not always in my uh, 10 11 years of going there but it started around five six years ago uh i was in a, a another cafe uh with a mate uh, we were chatting, he had his laptop stolen right from underneath the table, we never saw anything, and uh, it always uh, concerned me, once I started writing from the cafe, um, I didn't want to write at home anymore, I wasn't particularly happy being at home at that particular time, so going to the cafe would help motivate me, I didn't want that awkward moment if I was sitting well away from the loo's and I needed to go to the loo, that I would put the laptop back in my bag and what, leave the bag by the table. It was like saying, you know, anyone would have seen that I had a laptop. They could still walk out with the bag. What was I going to do? Take the bag, relinquish my table, come out of the loo and find there was no table left. So it was all those sorts of things. I also didn't want to be, I didn't want the regulars thinking that I didn't trust them. So I picked the table nearest the loo. If anything happened, it's the most difficult table to steal from, basically. Also, working over at the other side of the cafe, you've got the uh, folding doors with the huge windows that's designed to pull out, pull those doors out in the summer, let the sun in. So there's always a reflection there, and you can't see your screen properly. So that's my reason for sitting where I'm sitting. It's not ideal, obviously, uh, whenever I've been there with an ex, tried not to sit there unless the relationship was on a sure footing and uh, we knew whatever happened whoever went into the lose and wrecked it that you know we knew that it wasn't going to affect us our relationship was too strong by then now in the cafe there are serial offenders the local women are absolutely terrible and they are local that's the thing you're not yeah i mean it's like they act like they're visiting a house their parents house they grew up in and it's still okay to do that there you know i don't think you should be that comfortable in an establishment to, to make it a regular thing like that. They're using the cafe as a stopover. They live down the road. Now, I can only assume that these women doing that, they see where I'm sitting. They see my proximity to where they're going. I can only assume that the disregard they show me is uh, you know, down to them not finding me attractive. If they were to find me attractive, they wouldn't be doing that. And uh, often, they're, they're younger than me. 
what are they eating that they need to go at the cafe when they just live down the road? I'd like to settle down. I don't want to see that. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't want to witness what I'm witnessing. And if I was to start dating one of these women, let, let's just let's just go down that road for a sec. If I was to start dating one of these women, they, you know, their behavior in the cafe would have fast-tracked the relationship. Well, you know, uh, certainly she would be toilet comfortable straight away. And what I was proposing on Twitter earlier this week was some sort of electronic scoreboard fixed over the entrance to the loos, um, uh, given uh, the distance that that woman, uh, woman's house is from the calf, the the, ha- uh, the walking time from the cafe to her home, time that she has spent in the loo, amount of toilet visits that day whether she's washed her hands, all these stats. You know, like you, you, you see on Match of the Day now, annoying, again, graphics, they give you the match stats, percentage of ball possession, those kind of stats. I mean, I'm contemplating blogging about these women, posting pictures of them. I, I, I think this behaviour is uh, it's scandalous. It's uh, That's why I sit at that table anyway. That's why I endure what I endure. For the love of writing, people. For the love of writing. Time now for this week's timestamp. What were you doing this week? I'm asking what you were doing in September 1990. Uh, Magister had died. Uh, Miami Vice had finished. Italia 90 was over. Um, I remember that yeah, there was a feel-good factor about the First Division. Everyone had, you know, people were obsessed with Gaza. He was arguably at the height of his powers. It wouldn't be uh, till the follow- the end of that season that he got injured. Liverpool were fading fast as a power in football, my team. Now, I just finished my GCSE retakes uh, third time of asking. I've managed to scrape past with three this time, meaning I finally had enough to uh, start A-levels if I so wish to choose. I wasn't planning on going back, though. Uh, I went to my college just down the road from here one evening to see what my options were. I figured I might do an A-level or an AS-level as an evening course. Um, I'd gone on to a terrible new job, uh, my second ever job, working for uh, Leslie Ash's mum in a paint shop in Clapham, which I think had been open since the late 50s. She was married to a Canadian man. I didn't enjoy the job at all. I'd, I'd seen my money halved from what I was earning at Woolies after I allowed a, a 14-year-old friend to handle my pay negotiations. I was 18 at the time. Um, so I turned up at Vauxhall College one night, me and the arse man, uh, we, we'd been together at college, we'd met there the, the previous year, uh, we hooked up there with, uh, in my opinion, my greatest ever lecturer, um, and uh, I told him my idea, I was looking to come back in the evenings, and he just encouraged me to go full time, he said, why are you going to waste the GCSEs that you've finally got? Now I knew that if uh, I once I told my manager that I was going full time, that I could well lose my job. It was a risk I was prepared to take. As it was, she let me. She wasn't happy, but she let me go full time. I hadn't seen the arse man all summer. Actually, um, that was our last summer without a house phone. So I hooked up the arse man. Uh, there'd been a gang of us the previous year at the college, but only he and I were left. The other guys had gone on to other colleges or decided not to study that uh, that year, not to do the A-levels. Actually, no, we had one other guy. I won't say his name, but at the start of that year, he actually he uh, came up to us and he said, uh, for this year, my name is not this, you better call me this. And I just, I was completely thrown by that. I could not get used to calling him by this different name. Now, you know, 20, <clears throat> what, 21, 22 years on, I'm thinking that must have been a benefits scam. 
going on. That was uh, that was very strange. I used to uh, live at the YMCA in Stockwell. I used to go and uh, we used to watch the original Gulf War at his house. Well, not the original, not the Gulf War between Iran and Iraq, but the uh, the first Gulf War between the West and uh, Iraq. And it was uh, you know on TV, Schwarzkopf and all those guys. Uh, so yeah, September 1990. I, I know the specific date. I'm not going to give it. I, I get stick for this anal trait of mine. But uh, September 1990, I paid for BT to put our first landline in place, further emasculating my dad. Uh, following my VHS recorder purchase a year earlier, remember he'd hit back with the 700 pound Sony 32 inch TV, which we uh, talked about on last week's timestamp. He'd also hit me with a 12 foot cloak rail. Um, which he'd imposed on us in the front room uh, after I got the Z bed. We were like, uh, we were just going tip for tat, trying to outdo one another. But uh, the phone was the final straw. I think the phone was me winning. And uh, Match was the first to call at 8 minutes past 12 uh, shortly uh, before we left London for uni. And it was like the first ever phone call in that building. It was our Alexander Graham Bell moment. I can't tell you how big a moment it was. I mean, I'd lost so many friends at 16 after leaving school. You know, I've told this story many times. I had to write letters to male friends to stay in touch with them. At 16, boys don't want to write to other boys. So, we had our phone. I enrolled full-time in the A-levels. My English literature class was massive. It was uh, There were about 25 kids in there. I'd never been in such an intimidating class full of so many intelligent people. We did uh, Anthony and Cleopatra. We did uh, George Orwell wrote to Wigan Pier. Both books I really enjoyed. The weird thing was, <clears throat> there was always a catchment area problem. Uh, classes would very quickly shrink. I I, I, to this day, I don't know why it is. It was such a great college with so many great teachers, but the classes were usually small. So I was shocked that we had 25 kids in a class because the previous year, every class had averaged five or six kids. And briefly in this class, we were all able to dream. We were all able to dream. I don't actually know what I was dreaming, to be honest. I don't know if it was my intention to go to uni, but certainly I was thinking, I'm here for the next two years. This is the next two years sorted. That class of 25 shrunk rather quickly. By June, there were just three of us. I couldn't stay in a class of three people, not with a rumbling stomach. My English A-level exams were were rocked by a sequence of stomach rumbles, uh, the most embarrassing noises I ever emitted. Uh, up until my Christmas Day noise. I also, uh, I, I was in sociology as well. I did sociology uh, A-level. I had two problems with that. Uh, the first class, the lecturer had asked uh, had asked me <clears throat> what sociology was. I inquired. I, I hesitated, uh, but I, 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 I did wonder aloud whether it might be the study of animals. Straight away, not the best start. Uh, also, a uh, problem in that, the lecturer lived at the top of my road. I didn't want that kind of relationship, so uh, I, I dropped sociology. I didn't want to be living in the same road as uh, as my lecturer. But at 1990, it was it was a good period. Things started to get worse at home. It was parents had uh, separated, well, divorced, but you know my dad hadn't left home, so uh, that was a very weird situation. Uh, we began to butt heads, and the following year would be uh, probably the hardest that we had as uh, a family of four. And I probably missed my moment, the most important year in my life, the turning point, the year at which I could have taken the good things that were happening and turned them into something better. It was 1989 to 1990. That academic year was the best year of my life. I didn't realize how good it was. I was too young. I, I My parents divorced, messed things up. 
But uh, this was a slight downward curve. But for a for a moment, I could enjoy it, and I did enjoy it. And uh, it was disappointing the way it ended uh, with a stolen library book. But that's a that's a story for another day. Um, listeners uh, tweeted in with their own timestamps. Drink me for free. I'm starting secondary school, otherwise known as seven years of hell. Um, Eamon uh, tweeted in September 1990. I was ditching my skin type black denim for tracky bees. Wow, those. Like a butterfly, I went from goth to raver. What are tracky bees? I don't, I don't know. What, is that a brand of trousers? Uh, Miss Ella Simone. I was meeting up with older boys off the CB radio. I didn't shag them. I was 12. God, do you remember CB radio? But what would you do with CB radio? Uh, did uh, Miss Ella Simone, did she have a handle? Is that what they call it? A handle? A CB radio handle? Uh, Pete emailed in. Uh, September 19 marked the end of a perfect summer. Stone Roses gig at Spike Island and New Order's World in Motion had marked the end of Manchester for me. Oh, uh, World in Motion was a great, great tune. Great tune. Uh, but there were new and exciting things to discover in the world. Being in London regularly for the first time was like drinking from a fire hydrant and I'd been drinking for months. I'd spent the night going to a gig with friends and then onto a cu- uh, club in Camden. As per my usual routine, I'd get the first train home and go straight into work. I'd then work till lunchtime when I'd have a nap in my office which was hidden out the way and I'd then make a sharp exit at five. Unfortunately, that day I was booked onto a handling stress course at lunchtime with 20 people and rocked up feeling a little worse for wear. At some stage, we were asked to lie on the floor, close our eyes and relax to release the stress. I think that's what I'm kind of trying to get listeners to do with the bread aisle. Uh, At some stage, oh sorry, I've read that bit. I did this rather too well and woke up some two and a half hours later in the middle of an empty hall where I'd been left by my colleagues. It was like a long walk of shame back to the office and a somewhat longer conversation with my manager who delivered the company sermon whilst trying not to laugh. Uh, Thanks everyone uh, who uh, tweeted or emailed in their timestamp. Next week's timestamp, August 95, Twitter hashtag timestamp, email the show DRT at westegg1607.co.uk, timestamp in the header. Uh, Just before I go this week, uh, uh, let's take a a brief moment to be serious. Uh, As I said earlier, uh, I have a message from the uh, uh, from recently appointed fire warden of his workplace, Billy Two Rivers Nine, uh, who I'd like to also be fire warden to this show and dispense uh, fire safety advice uh, on an occasional basis. Um, uh, Two Rivers Nine uh, emailed in, I'm absolutely delighted to be invited to contribute general fire safety advice to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast listenership. I don't wish to be a killjoy, but I've witnessed some very silly comments on Twitter timelines that would suggest some people have... Scant regard for the potential. I, I can see what's coming here. Have scant regard for the potential devastation that fire can cause. I found uh, EV80's tweets about deliberately, <laughs> deliberately starting a fire, a field fire in rural Lincolnshire during the long hot summer of 1989 particularly worrying. In view of this, I will be offering simply weekly advice, simple weekly advice about preventative measures that can be taken within the home. This week, this week. I have chosen to focus on the use of candles and incense burners. I should tell my aunt about this. She, she burns a lot of incense. Candles and incense are often used to create ambience. <laughs> ambience will help, cel- <laughs> help celebrate a special event. But let us not escape the fact that they are basically open flames and pose a very real threat of fire. The following five-point plan, five plan will enable you... <laughs> 
to enjoy candles and incense burners safely. One, never leave candles or incense unattended. Two, keep candles and incense away from curtains, clothing and books. Three, keep candles and incense away from flammable liquids, uh, e.g. alcohol. Four, use, t use torches during power cuts instead of candles. Five, avoid carrying lit candles whenever possible. I don't know why I'm laughing. These are all good points. Until... <laughs> Till next week, be alert, be aware, be safe. Bully Two Rivers Nine. I don't know what Two Rivers Nine would make of uh, my dad's rope of hope in the late 70s. That rope that we purchased, well, he purchased from uh, Bon Marsh in Brixton, uh, from which the idea was that he would lower all three of us and himself from the second floor down to the ground down towards safety we'd have these regular fire drills where we'd have uh, the, the the rope tied round our waist but I, I don't think my dad ever figured out the bit about getting us out of the window wouldn't mind hearing two rivers nine opinions on that that's it for this week please rate review the show on itunes uh, thanks as always to those of you who already have um uh, well, you can listen, yeah, you can listen also uh, on Jellycast, uh, Mixcloud, as I said earlier as well, uh, Stitcher Radio, give Stitcher Radio a try, you've got the Facebook group, uh, follow the show on Twitter at 1607WestEgg, email me drt at westegg1607.co.uk, uh, next week's show, get your song Overkill's in, timestamp is, uh, what did I say it was, August 95, uh, keep your Sherlock's coming in, your least uh, favourite TV show, uh, any new clapping ideas you want to submit from time to time, always welcome. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's good to be back with you. Uh, let's hope 2012 is a good year for all of us. Until then, I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and I think you know I'm never going bald. Next week, people. Next week. <laughs>